McShane Bible Study, day 145, and we are in Numbers 34. And uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, and he starts giving them the boundaries of the promised land, what it will be. And then he establishes uh, Joshua and Eliezer, the priest, uh, to be in charge. And he establishes, I didn't count them, but I assume that was 12 chiefs from each of the 12 tribes to be in charge of dividing the land. So there's cool symbology there that um, the Lord has established a promised land, has and will, you know, this is this is past tense and this is ongoing future tense, right? He has established a promised land. He has established a place for his people. He uh, will appoint uh, people, elders, mature sons of God, in order to help establish these things for the people. Um, and he will provide. He will put everyone in their proper place. Each one does not have the same place as the other. Remember, Jesus said, I, I only do what I see my Father doing. So on one hand, he's the Son of God, all-powerful. But on the other hand, he didn't get outside of where the Father positioned him, right? The Father is made glorified by us each tending to the work he gives us, tending to the position that he gives us, being the one he made us to be. And so it's just a cool picture of that. And next we're finishing Psalm 78. And so that's starting in verse 40, which is how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. So uh, Asaph is kind of giving a history of God's people and all, you know, he he brought them out of Egypt. He performed all these amazing miracles. He brought them up to his holy mountain. Um, there were there were signs and wonders. There was wrath against uh, those who subjected him. And verse 55 says, He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. I just thought that was cool because we were just reading about that in Numbers, right? Um, I love it when these chapters sync together so well. So he positioned them after pulling them out of the world. And with many signs and wonders, many protections, he positioned them. But then for the next verses, they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. So they'd go, you know, they're going to other high places uh, they were they were not living unto the Lord. He was trying to make a people, a new people, according to His way of life, not the world's. And he and he gave them ways to follow this, and yet they just wanted to do the bare minimum and otherwise live the way the world lives. This is this should, this should all be a warning to us as as far as not His purpose in our life, but what is the purpose? That he have a people fully living unto him, for him, with him, so that he can bless the whole world through us. 62, he gave his people over to the sword. He vented his wrath on his heritage. So they were his people. And every time throughout history, God's people thinks, yeah, yeah, the people of God before us, uh, they were bad and God judged them. But he pulled us out and we're special. And then they go on living the, the way the world lives. And he does it again. And every time the people of God think, oh, we're special, he wouldn't do that to us. He did that to people in the past. 
but that that story's on repeat. <laughs> that should open our eyes. Uh, but then what happened? He so he sent them to Babylon, right? They were stuck in Babylon, but he pulled them out. He blessed Judah. Verse 70, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hands. So we see David leading a people. And that's a little bit out of order as far as the Babylon thing goes. But uh, we see, you know, all of a sudden, a king, a righteous king, a righteous kingdom, a man after God's own heart. We see for a little time. It didn't stay that way again. The story was on repeat. But we see a, a country blessed because a man, a leader, was living according to God's ways. Even though he fell. Most of the time. Yeah, he fell often. But whenever he realized it, and often it took those around him to realize it. Uh, he fully repented. He humbled himself before the Lord, which makes him kind of unique for a lot of the characters we see in the Bible. He humbled himself uh, in front of the Lord, and he turned around, and he wanted nothing more than to fix it and live a holy, righteous life under the Lord, right? And so that kind of goes back to what we were talking about yesterday. Living the way living unto the Lord, living in this life that he calls us to, does not mean that we never err, which would be small sins. It means that we're continually adjusting, repenting, turning, being washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and continuing on in this way as quickly as possible so that we are living this life. And this life is towards the mark, right? A life of sin is not hitting the mark, right? If you shoot an arrow at a bullseye, sin is missing the mark. Mm -hmm. So a, a life free of big sin is, I'm living my life unto you, Lord, and every day I'm seeking you, saying, you know, how, how can I come closer to you? How can I be more like you? What in my life can I change? Should I change? Will you change so that I'm more like you? I give you everything. If that's continually our heart, mm -hmm. we're in continually what we're, you know, how we're living, then he will raise us up. Uh, okay, I think next we're doing Isaiah, and we had a cool thing happen yesterday. We uh, did the, uh, the recording, we talked about, you know, Isaiah 25 talked about the um, storm, and I shared a little bit on that. And then when we finished, we went in and uh, uh, Weston's mommy remembered a dream she'd had the night before about a massive storm and a lightning bolt that hit the ground. And But the, instead of just being a flash like a lightning bolt typically is, it stayed on the ground. And so it was, you know, fearful and awe-inspiring. And um, I thought that was a, just a really cool picture. We've talked about this coming storm, and I said yesterday, I mean, it's it's here. <laughs> it's pretty obvious if you look around. If you have eyes to see, you know, the world keeps thinking, oh, this everything's going to go back to normal. Um, but 
that's not the case. Uh, there's going to be waves and waves. And uh, so that was just another picture of that. This lightning bolt staying on the ground. But that can be a, a, a scary thing for those in the world. But I just pictured it. My first thought was when God's people were in the wilderness, uh, the fire by night of his presence with them, protecting them was, you know, I would imagine pretty similar to a, a lightning bolt, probably not as jagged, but this fire going from where they are all the way up into the heavens, right? And next we're on Isaiah, well, I already said that, Isaiah 26, <laughs> and it's um, it, it's continuing in this theme. Um, it starts out, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Um, so he's going to very much distinctly show the difference between those who are in living their lives in the Lord, as he calls, and those who are of the world. And so he's first setting up a strong, you know, because that's where he, remember yesterday, that's what he did in 25. Um, he's talking about judgment in the world, but he's talking about protecting a people. And so we have people, and open your gates. That This is a, a symbol in scripture of, oh, uh, each one of us is a potential gate to the heavenly realms, right? That the Lord God can enter into this world through us as a gate, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to be opened. We can't be walking around as as the world walks around. As they, everyone has potential, and everyone really is a, a spiritual, three-compartmentalized being. But generally, people walk around as completely worldly, one-dimensional beings, right? Or or two. Um, but he's saying, open up, that we become the fullness of God's plan for us, this three-dimensional being where his spirit is flowing in us and through us. And then we see this goodness of God, this perfect peace uh, for those trusting in God. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And we go down to verse 8. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. So we have a people that are waiting on the Lord, seeking the Lord. His, his name, this, his way of life is a desire of our soul. His remembrance, like continually looking to him for leadership in all things, is the desire of our soul. Nine, my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. And so, you know, night and day, seeking the Lord. Uh, my spirit inside me, he's got an open gate. My spirit is available. It seeks you, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. So, you know, it's a key picture that when God judges the world, we actually wake up to truth. We stop being fooled by the foolishness of a world run by our enemy. 
And then verse 18, we were pregnant, we writhed, but we have given birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. So first of all, he's talking about all of God's effort, oh, sorry, all of man's efforts have accounted for not, right? We we have not as as uh, fallen man, as carnal people, we cannot pass on the heritage. And you even see it, uh, uh, you see it in church history, you see it in, in the Bible, in, uh, you know, David being a great king, but what, within a couple of generations, the kingdom falls apart. He can't pass on who he is. It's, it's very rare that people are able to pass on uh, the goodness of his ways. And so the Lord says, well, I'm going to bring Jesus to make this possible. And, you know, Malachi talks about that will be the, the, um, that will be the culture in the end, a family culture of God, that God's glory is, is continually passed on his wisdom and truth passed on his glory passed on from one generation to the next. Uh, 19, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. So we see the dead coming alive, right? Those who are living carnally, being awoken into true eternal life. That's why it's important whenever we, you know, think about a friend who doesn't know the Lord, Mm-hmm. that we think of them as pre-Christian, right? Because there's going to be a time when many who call themselves Christians today turn away. That's been happening for decades. It will accelerate. Uh, but there will be many who don't know the Lord who come to the Lord because they become hungry for the Lord, right? So everyone is someone who has potential to grow mightily in the Lord, whether they're in, you know, whether they're, call in the name of Christ or not yet, there's a potential for every one of us to, to grow so much more in the Lord than we possibly know right now. Verse 20, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the fury is passed by. So again, we talk about kind of this storm and um, he, he's, he says, look, I will protect you. You're in my protection. Hide yourself in me until this is passed. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. And then we're moving on to 1 John 4, which talks about how do we live this life? So if God intends to have a people who live a spiritual eternal life unto him, that he's continually transforming to be more and more like him. Perfect. Um, how do we do it? Well, this first, I, I, this has actually been a kind of a revelation to me this, this time through how much first John is about living this life. And, uh, just a couple of the verses I highlighted verse four through six. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. 
By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So little children, remember we talked about, he's, he's talking about spiritually, where are you? Are, are, you know, and here he's addressing those who have not yet matured in the Lord. And so they're not living according to this way. He's telling them a truth, but they don't, and they probably might've said that they know this truth, but there's a difference between knowing something and living it. If there's a deep truth of the Lord and you hear it and you say, yeah, yeah, I know that, there's a really good chance you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Because if you knew it, you would be filled with such awe at the reality of this thing that you would never look down upon it by saying in your heart, yeah, yeah, I know all that. Let's move on to something exciting. You understand? Mm-hmm. Th- these things are eternal they're amazing and so he's he's they might have heard these things before but he's saying look this is a reality that you are not yet living in you are from god and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world they are from the world therefore they speak from the world these are people coming around around acting like they're super spiritual and they they have uh, better spiritual stuff than these eternal truths. He says, no, they're from the world. And the world listens to them. It's, who cares if they have a big following? Who cares whatever about them you think is impressive? The world is impressed by those things. He said, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love, sorry, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, starting in 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. So, again, we're manifesting the love of God as we love one another, that Jesus, so that we might live through him. Jesus becomes a reality in our lives. He lives us and we live through him. He becomes our life in the world. See that? It's, it was no longer that we had our own life before. We mm-hmm. died to that life. Jesus becomes our life in this world. 10. In, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So is that a reality for us that he has covered our sins? So we are living in this new life. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if he's given us this blessing, shouldn't we love others? as he has loved us, right? 
no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. So as, as we love one another, the reality of God is made known in the world. His love is perfected in us. Uh, if we skip down to 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also we are in this world. Well, the day of judgment. So what does he mean? Many the days of judgment or the final day of judgment? It's not the final day of judgment, but there are plenty days of judgment along the way when God is doing a new thing in the world. And so, uh, to be clear, I'm not talking about the final day of judgment. I don't think we're particularly close to that. But by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so, also are we in this world. So our new life is his life. Mm -hmm. As he is, we are. Like we're not as our own old ways. We are now transformed to be like him. So this is a reality. So this is a truth we obtain to. So if we're new into these things, we're far from the fullness of it. The more we walk in it, the more we seek him, the more this becomes a living way, this becomes our life, right? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So if we're worried about the enemy, if we're worried about things in the world, if we're worried about anything, we're, we're, not, we're not living according to this life yet, mm-hmm. right? Which is okay if we're not there yet. The, you know, John's teaching people who are not there yet. They're Christians, but they're not there yet. But he's saying, this is the way. So walk in this way, seek this way, and and, and you will re- attain unto all this. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If we know God is, is completely sovereign, all-powerful, <laughs> he can do anything <clears throat> that, that we can imagine and quite a lot more that we can't imagine. And if we know that he loves us, he has in mind for us to be his family forever and he only does what's good for us then what could we possibly fear right mm-hmm. there's nothing to be afraid of because the all-powerful god of the universe loves us loves me and wants me to be a member of his family forever that he shares his goodness with that he shares to creation who he is through what could be more amazing than that? What could I possibly fear? That thing, that's, that's thinking that somehow he wants to punish me. He doesn't want to punish me. He wants to train me, right? Mm-hmm. When we discipline you guys, we don't want to discipline you guys, mm-hmm. right? That's not fun for us. But you know what? There's some parents out there that don't discipline their kids. You know what happens? What? They become like wild animals. They're, I mean, they're not animals. They're people, but they... Their behavior is so poor because no one has disciplined that out of them. And so discipline is very important. And, and if, they, if they get old and they, and they find some wisdom, they would realize, wow, I wish I had some discipline in my <coughs> life when I was young. I sometimes wish I had better discipline in certain areas, you know. Um, you know, I think I had good parents and they did the best, but they weren't perfect. And there's some areas that, well, I kind of wish this would have gone differently because I wouldn't struggle in this area so much, right? Mm -hmm. Discipline helps us to grow. Well, God is perfectly wise. He is the perfect parent. 
He doesn't make mistakes. And so if there's something that's troubling for us, then we should quickly realize, well, God is all powerful, all loving. He's bringing this about for my good. And so it's a blessing. And so we we kind of leave a way of worrying so much about the enemy. The enemy's real. He does love to attack us. And the more we're on this path, the more he attacks. That's, that stuff's all real. But we kind of come above that and we realize, I'm God's. Mm-hmm. And the enemy can't do anything to me that God is not allowing. Now, if, we're, if we purposefully disobey God, we come outside of this way. And then we can suffer the full brunt of the enemy's attack. And that's for our good, too, because that would open us up to the reality that we need to come back into this way. See the difference? Mm-hmm. Those are two different ways. And so you can have a teaching like this, and it's true for one, but not true for another. And so, anyways, I, I, don't, I think I've said everything. you have any questions about that? Or? All right. Well, this is this is a glorious truth. This is just wonder and freedom and life. And uh, that's all I have to say about that today. God bless you. God bless you.